listening to this sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. When I was a kid, I told my mom that I didn't want to go to heaven. That really bummed her out because the alternative is not that great. And I don't think she wanted her son to go to the other place. But I told my mom I didn't want to go to heaven because something about the way heaven was described to me in church bothered me. Specifically, it was the golden streets. For some reason, when I was a kid, I did not want to live in a place with golden streets. I was worried, I think, that the glare would hurt my eyes, that the light would bounce off of the golden streets, get in my eyes, and I just did not want it. So I said, Mom, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to stay here on earth where we have black streets. That's just, I don't want these, these golden streets. Also, I remember thinking, you know, we, we learned that heaven was a place where you sang in a heavenly choir for eternity. And you all know, I like singing, but I don't like singing that much. And I thought, I'm going to get bored. I'm going to sit there in heaven, and I'm going to be singing songs for all of eternity, and it's going to be so boring. Because I liked going to church, but I didn't want to go to church 24-7 for eternity. And so I was so worried about going to heaven. I mean, I didn't want to go to hell. But I also just didn't think that heaven was that great of a place to be. And I bring this up to you because today we are going to finish up our series on the book of Revelation. We're finishing it up with the part that everybody agrees pretty much is in the future. This is a great, great place to preach in Revelation because there's not that much uh, argument about it. We're in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, and then we're going to skip to 22, to verse 22, and then go through chapter 22, verse 7. So we're skipping around a little bit. But this is the part after all the judgment, after all of the the battles, after Jesus comes back and sets everything right. And this is what we have to look forward to for eternity. Here's what it says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. We, he will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. 
But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And then the Spirit, he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It was the glory of God in a radiance like a very rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. Then he goes a long way describing the city, and he like measures a bunch of stuff and talks about the different jewels. We're going to skip that part and go down to verse 22. He says, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord, the God Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine in it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day. There will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and its name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night, and they need no lamp of light or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true, for the Lord... The God of the spirits and of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. See, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's a beautiful vision of the way that God plans to take care of his people when he makes all things new. I love the the detail of New Jerusalem, this city having no temple. Why would you need a temple when God is there all the time? The presence of God with the people of God in the place of God without overpowering us. This is the real miracle of New Jerusalem. It's implied in a bunch of ways. The description reminds me of another place that I saw in Scripture, a place where rivers flowed and there was a tree of life and there was no curse. The New Jerusalem is purposely compared here to the Garden of Eden. John wants us to think of Eden when we think of New Jerusalem, and it's no accident. The pre-sin world and the post-sin world have a lot in common, but they're not exactly the same. And I think it has to do with this detail of having no temple. All of the descriptions of the New Jerusalem are leading us to consider that this place is the culmination of all of human history. Here's what I mean. The story of the Bible is really the story of God's presence among us. It's the story of how we lost God's presence and then how God worked to get us back in his presence, to 
to restore us to himself. It's the story that started in the garden and ends in New Jerusalem. First, we had the garden where God walked with his people. He walked among us and all things were perfect. But still, there was an opportunity for sin because God wanted us to choose to be with him. Then there was the fall. We lost God's presence on a, among us on earth because we chose sin over God. The curse came and death came and we were exiled from the garden. And sin prevented us from being able to withstand the presence of God. God is so holy that it would kill us to behold his full presence in our midst. So God started to restore his presence among us. First it was in the tabernacle and then the temple. And God established his presence with us in a very limited way. He chose a chosen people and gave those people a single room where his presence would dwell with them. That room first was in the tabernacle, then it moved to the temple, and people had to travel to the temple to meet with God. And then not even directly, there was a veil in between them. Sin was still in the way. And then Jesus came. And in Jesus, the fullness of God walked among his people again in human form. Emmanuel, God with us, is what they called him. And still, the presence of God was confined to one physical place at a time. It was wherever Jesus was. If you lived in Australia, you couldn't commune with God in person because it was too great of a distance. And so Jesus died and rose again, and God's presence expanded again because Jesus ascended into heaven and sent his Holy Spirit to be among us. And that's where we are now. We are in a time when we have the Spirit as the presence of God among us. And if we're in Christ, we have his presence with us all the time through the Holy Spirit. We have more of God's presence with us right now than humanity has ever had in any time since the fall. And yet, we know that there's people knocking around in our world that don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And those of us that do, we, we find it alarmingly, troublingly easy to ignore the Spirit of God in our lives. And so the presence of God is not complete with us. And that's where the new Jerusalem comes in. One day, Jesus Christ will return. And rather than taking us all up into heaven with him, the Bible clearly describes he is bringing the presence of God down to us. That's what he's saying. The home of God is among mortals. Not the home of mortals is in heaven with God. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. He says he saw heaven and earth for the first heaven and earth had passed away and the holy city came down out of heaven from God to earth. Our eternal destiny is not heaven. God's eternal destiny is back among us on earth in the new Jerusalem. And so the new Jerusalem is perfect. It's even better than the Garden of Eden was. It's a place, once again, where God's presence is with us all the time. God's presence among us is what makes all the good things in New Jerusalem possible. It's what allows heaven and earth to coexist as one place. 
God's light is the only light we'll need. No artificial lights, not even a sun and moon. God is all we'll need. He's the central thing about this new Jerusalem that powers us. And he, he is the, the energizing force behind all of what's good in this new creation. It's interesting to me that God wouldn't just put us back in, garden, in the Garden of Eden. He's not trying to get us back to pre-sin living. He is bringing us into post-sin living. Garden, a New Jerusalem isn't plan B. Each person in New Jerusalem is there because they chose a life with God. So God can dwell among his people and they have perfect free will but without sin or no consequences of sin, no curse, no death, nothing like that. All the tears will be wiped away from our eyes. God doesn't want us to go backwards. He wants us to go forward with him to a post-sin state that's even better than the Garden of Eden would have been. Whereas before God created us in a garden, our final destination is in a city. It's the best of both worlds. Garden City. Uh, there's a book called Garden City that describes this, this world, and I just love that because we are in Garden City. Heaven is Garden City. I love that. And in the book called Subversive Sabbath that we've been reading in the Young Adult Sunday School, A.J. Soboda said, uh, he said this, In a groundbreaking work, theologian Miroslav Volf contends that human work and cultural flourishing must be understood not as being destroyed in the coming of God's kingdom, but as being purified. In fact, Wolf argues that our technological advancements that have changed human culture for the good, such as Gutenberg's press, may actually be included in the renewal of all things. Through their work, contends Wolf, human beings contribute in their modest and broken way to God's new creation. Humanity does not have the power to resurrect our work. Still, God may resurrect the very human city that we have built. In short, the new creation, unlike the first, will not be created ex nihilo out of nothing. It will incorporate aspects of this present creation. Y'all, that's so beautiful to me. It gives me so much hope that the things that we do here and now for God and his kingdom may be incorporated into the new creation, into new Jerusalem. And this place, this resurrection life where the reigning of God for eternity is with us. This place of perfect holiness and a city full of adventures and love and peace. Although we get to take all the adventures we want without having to worry about death or sorrow or sickness. Heck, there won't even be stupidity. When I think about all the times I've been careless and hurt the feelings of a friend just because I was stupid. We won't even have to worry about that stuff. All the consequences of the fall will be undone. All because God wanted to be with us and he didn't stop until he made it happen. He didn't stop sacrificing until he got us back. And so our, our end of day news is not that we'll be floating around in the clouds on streets of gold and can't stop singing. Our eternal future is a new city where we get to live on a perfected earth where God is with us. And so we get to do stuff. 
when we get to eat food and enjoy our families and friends. We get to do work that's interesting to us without the burden of the curse of work where it becomes hard. It's fun to do. What a wonderful thing to hope for. Sometimes I think it's worth us for us just to, to remember this Christian hope that we have, to marinate in hope. One day, there will be a resurrection of the dead. One day, God will create a new heaven and a new earth. One day, it will be okay. All the violence and the trouble and conflict and strife and evil will be thrown in a pit. And all that will be left is a world full of goodness to explore in the presence of our Father. In that book I mentioned, uh, Garden City, John Mark Comer says, this isn't about God scrapping the earth and starting over. This is about God stripping it down to the studs, clearing out all the junk and grit and grime and making it new again. And in this new and renewed world, we won't be lounging around in a cloud with a loincloth on singing Amazing Grace for millennia on end. Honestly, that sounds more like the other place. Read Revelation. The last two chapters of the Bible are all about the future what all of human history is building up to. And the story doesn't end with us going away to heaven, but rather with heaven's invasion of earth. We see Jesus and his followers who have died coming back from heaven to rule over earth. The closing image isn't of a cloud or a harp or Raphael and his floating cupids. It's of a city, a city with walls and gates and streets and dwellings and a river and a forest and a culture. As I said earlier, it's draped in the language straight out of Genesis a new heaven and a new earth, the tree of life. There will no longer be any curse. They will reign. So it's not just a city. It's a garden city. This is what's waiting for us. Not an eternal vacation in the sky, but an eternity of working and resting in this world completely remade from top to bottom by the Creator, ruling over earth side by side with Jesus himself forever. This is the hope of Jesus. But the even better news than this hope that's awaiting for us is that we don't have to wait for the end to experience God's presence with us. As we covered earlier, we have got the Holy Spirit with us here and now. We have the presence of God beside us today. And while it won't be perfect until Jesus comes back, it won't be perfected until the new Jerusalem, the Spirit with us now is still pretty great. We have God's indwelling presence with us all the time. I once heard someone speaking about living an Emmanuel lifestyle, and they said something I thought was amazing. Her name was Jen Corsi, and she said, How do I know if it's Jesus? His signature is peace. If our interaction feels, leads to feeling peace, then it's likely him. If our interaction leads to the lack of peace, either it's not from him or he's not done with us yet. We have got the peace of the Holy Spirit in dwelling with us here and now. Kind of like a, a foretaste of the promise of what's to come. We're looking forward to a time when we'll have the perfect light of God's presence all around us all the time. When God will be visible and tangible and with us in every sense of the word. But until that time, we've got his presence with us in a real and powerful way through the Holy Spirit. It's like we don't seem to notice. We have access to the peace of God. We have access to the plenty of God. We have access to the person of God. And yet so often 
we settle for lesser things. So my encouragement for you today is first of all to never, no matter what trouble you're going through, never give up that hope for that resurrection. Never stop giving up hope for the day that we will see God face to face in a new heaven and a new earth. But y'all, don't wait until then to start seeing the face of God because he's with us now. Call out for God to be with you every day. Recognize that his peace is just a prayer away through the Holy Spirit. And he's loving you here and now. And so if you've never done it before, today is a great time to invite the Holy Spirit into your daily life. Invite the Spirit into your day-to-day decisions. Invite the Spirit to commune with you in your inner life and see a preview of what the new Jerusalem will be like here and now. And if you want to do that, today is a great time as we come to the altar in communion, as we receive the bread and the wine and the body and blood of Jesus. It's a great time to pray for the Holy Spirit to be with you. Let's pray. Jesus, as we read about this glorious future in which you've prepared for us, this glorious new heaven and new earth, this city that has echoes of the garden but has improved upon it, And you've placed us in a place called Garden City to remind us of the new Jerusalem. God, I pray that you will help us to recover a Christian hope. That no matter what goes wrong in the world right now, we have a resurrection to look forward to. We have a new Jerusalem to enjoy. And so God, help us to look forward to that day with great anticipation, but God, give us the strength to seek out your face here and now. Give us the strength to seek out the Holy Spirit, to not settle for lesser things. Give us your peace, God. Give us your presence. Fill us with your spirit today. In your name I pray, amen. If you're worshiping with us online, we're going to go ahead and close out the stream. Uh, So I want to thank you for worshiping with us today. And go now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, luxuriating in the glorious hope of the new Jerusalem. Amen.